Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Food Biz Whiz podcast. I'm Charlie, VP of Student Success here at Food Biz Whiz, and we are back with another episode in our series called Is It Worth It, Charlie?, where I sit down and I talk to students inside our retail-ready community about pivotal decisions that they are about to make in their business. Now, if this is your first time joining us, welcome. Thank you for being here. My name is Charlie Birkinshaw. In addition to running my own CPG business, Element Shrub, I also support and coach our retail-ready students inside our retail-ready course and community. In today's episode, I am very excited to sit down with fellow retail-ready student, Catherine Hennen, founder of Planet Bake, who makes a line of deliciously healthy donuts in New York and is currently trying to decide uh, both if she should bring on a co-packer and also when. So if this is a decision that you have ever struggled with, I am really excited for you to listen in. So with that said, let's find out, is it worth it? I'm Allie Ball, former grocery buyer and retail store manager turned wholesale consultant. In my role on the retail floor, I saw delicious, values-driven brands fail on our shelves simply because they didn't understand the behind the scenes of wholesale. I created the Food Biz Whiz podcast to give you hard-to-access insight from my career in the food industry and the tools and strategies to help you succeed on retail shelves. If you're a committed food founder who's looking to create and grow a packaged products business that positively impacts our food system, puts wealth back into your own hands, and employs members of your local community, you have found the right podcast. Let's do this. Hey, before we jump in, I want to make sure that you've grabbed my free retail roadmap, a workbook that outlines my nine steps to building a brand that flies off the shelf. If you're a producer of a packaged product in the food industry, you are going to want this. I'll add it to today's show notes, so make sure you check out that PDF when you're done listening. Thanks. Catherine, welcome. Thank you so much for being here. It is great to have you on the show today. Hi, Charlie. Hi. Okay. So as I said in the introduction, uh, today we're talking all about co-packers, right? And for you in particular, I think you mentioned it's not just about if you should bring on a co-packer, but also, you know, when, right? What's the right time in your business to, to do that? So before we do that, do you want to just jump in uh introduce our listeners to you a little bit about your your background and the story of uh, Planet Bake. Yeah. Hi. Hi, everyone. So my name is Catherine, and I'm the founder and CEO of Planet Bake. Um, We currently make a health food donut that is sugar-free, gluten-free, vegan, and also keto-friendly. We offer our donuts package. They come in several flavors. Over the course of the year, we also offer seasonal flavors for Q4. Awesome. Um, now, tell me a little bit about how long Planet Bake has, has been around. Yeah, we have been in business for the past one and a half years. Um, so I started the company during COVID. And during that time, I did some market re- market and consumer research. Um, I found that there was a niche for our product. And so in January 21, I decided to launch the product and brand fully. Um, and at that point, it was 100% online. So selling through e-commerce. Got it. Got it. Cool. Um, yeah. So, okay. So you've only been around for a year and a half and you're already thinking about co-packing, right? So talk me through what your current sort of production situation looks like and why that feels maybe 
why that feels overwhelming or what, what about that? What, like think through what are the pros and cons of trying to switch from your, your current state to sort of a co-packing sort of situation? Yeah, so I currently make the product in a commercial kitchen where I work four to five days a week. And I have a team of five freelancers currently um, to my disposal. So it. it's to a point, I would say, where I'm working more in the business and not really, you know, not on the business, meaning my time is spent inside, even though I would I could use it differently, focusing on sales and, you know, um, yeah, just supplying more people that are actually asking for my product, which currently I'm I'm kind of stuck. <laughs> where yeah, because I, I don't no. have the capability of producing much more. Sure, sure. Okay, so you're you're definitely like at capacity in your current kitchen, and in order to really grow, it's not just about passing off the production to somebody else. It's about like, hey, like literally, like I can't make more than like X number of donuts per day in this, in this facility. Yeah. And also on the other side, if you take those orders, let's say you take them on, right. And everybody orders the same amount within a week. Like you don't want to leave any other people out. So it's kind of like a scarcity where you, you don't want to offer too much, then you can actually. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I really, I really like what you brought up before too, about uh, sort of recognizing that one, that you're working in your business and that you're spending, you know, four to five days a week, like, in the kitchen, right? I mean, that's, that's a lot of time to spend just on, you know, production, right? Um, There's a lot of other things, as we know, (laughs) that you need to do to kind of run your business and, and and get out there. I, um, I'll throw in one anecdote that I remember, when I was running Element Shrub about maybe four or five years ago now, I did this exercise and might even encourage you to to do the same um, is I went through and I tracked my time, how I was spending my time every week and found out that I was spending, I don't know, 60 to 70% of my time, uh, 60% of my time fell into two buckets, production and driving around and delivering orders. And so it made me quickly realize, hey, this is not a way to scale a business. Um, You need to like solve for these two things to make that not 70% of your, your time, but, you know, closer to five, five or 10. So, um, so I, I I love that. I love that you're, you're thinking that way. Um, so, I mean, it sounds like from a production perspective, I'm, I'm trying to think through, like, talk me through what you think are the pros and the cons here of, of moving to a co-packer, right? Um, So I'm thinking, you know, one thing that I have been struggling is packaging. So I will, I feel like improving packaging itself and also improving the shelf life is definitely one big aspect of a pro um, in regards to, you know, product and quality. Um, Overall, it will decrease the packaging cost. Um, uh, Overall, obviously, profit margins because, you know, you're moving large scale. Um, and spending more time growing the business, which is, you know, the, the end goal here. <laughs> sure, sure. Yeah. Um, so, okay. So let's, let's just dig into that a little bit more too, because mm-hmm. um, are you moving? To, so you're, I know you're at capacity, right. To, to produce. Um, are you at a point where you have more demand than you can produce? And so by uh, kind of moving to, or, or is it sort of the hope that like, or not the hope, but that, you know, by moving to the um, to a co-packer now, 
you're setting yourself up so that as you as you grow more, you'll you'll be able to um, you yeah know, meet meet that demand. I think that's where I am currently. Um, I mean, it's not everything perfectly laid out, but um, I know the accounts exist that are interested. Sure. <laughs> Just a matter of you know going out there and you know selling those. I don't know whatever the produce whatever the copacker will produce. Let's say fifty thousand units. You have to make sure you can sell them within a month, and so that's where I am. As like you know, do I move from the eight to ten k to forty k and how how to make that possible? Yeah, yeah, no, that's 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 definitely you know it's definitely a big jump, right? Um, so I don't know talk, how how are you feeling about it? <laughs> Tell me, I know I know this is you know I, I'll just reiterate for our listeners that you know I think the point of this podcast is not really to talk about where or how to find a co-packer, but really how to decide when in your when in your business moving to a co-packer is sort of the right the right, potentially the right choice or, or not. Right. Yes. Yeah. I mean, for me and my team is exhausted, right? <laughs> sure. So, um, they would rather like, there's obviously, I would not like let them go or anything. We would just like maybe do product development or other things, or, you know, I mean, there's always something to do really. Um, sure. just working on a new product. Um, but yeah, I think it's, 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 it's a thought process, right? You have to know financially, can you pull it off? Like you said, with margins and, uh, you know, you have to pay up upfront for all the pallets and ingredients and sure. make sure that you can pay the co-packer on a monthly basis. <laughs> yeah. So once you have that calculated out and, uh, you know, you could be fine with the financials. I definitely think, um, it's a it's a big jump, but definitely the right move um, to scaling the business, especially if you have more time to focus on marketing and sales. Sure, sure, uh, yeah. And so let's let's talk through some of the the financial pieces because this is definitely you know one of the the levers that I like to talk about here is like what's the money aspect, what's the opportunity cost. Um, I like that you have already thought about sort of your employees and what else they could be doing, but I'll just kind of throw this out there for other listeners who you know. If you if you have employees and let's say you know hiring you know a certain type of worker or hiring more people and creating more jobs is part of your sort of company mission, right? Then this might be a situation where moving to a co-packer could be sort of like at odds with that potentially, right? Um, and so it sounds like in your case, you know, one may, maybe that's part of your mission, maybe not. Doesn't doesn't really matter, but also that like you're not necessarily getting rid of uh, or, you know, letting these, these people go. You would also have, you'd have other jobs for them. Um, if, if you did make that switch from them working in production to, to a co-packer. Mm-hmm. Yes. Potentially. Yeah. Um, great. And then obviously there's like, you know, the opportunity cost, right. Of your time, right. That's like, instead of four to five days in the kitchen, now you get to go out and, uh, and, and sell, right. And, and do other marketing and, and things like that, which is, which is great. Um, uh, what, what else, um, for, I, from, a there's also a big shift, right. In sort of, or at least in understanding your costs of, right. You've got this commercial kitchen space. Um, you're, you're paying sort of rent or, or some sort of use for it. You've got these employees who are in production, uh, are you pretty confident in your sort of cost of goods sold currently so that you sort of know 
right? Because you, you want to know what your cost of goods sold is now so that you can sort of compare it to what it would be with, with a co-packer, yeah? Yeah. So what I do every week, basically, I see how much money I spend on my team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Regards to labor and then divided by the actual units that I produce. Got it. <laughs> so okay. Big difference. Yes. Yeah. Great. Great. So, so it'll, it'll, it'll make your margins even better then by, by shifting to, to a co-packer. Great. Um, right. And I guess there's also sort of this limit now, as you said, of like, you can only produce, I think 2000 or something units per week. And so, right. That your, your labor is sort of capped at that, that threshold of 2000. And so there's no way to make your labor cost any cheaper because, they can't all of a sudden produce 10,000 units a week. And now their cost is divided by 10,000 instead of divided by 2000. Right. So, um, right. So that, that, that makes a lot of sense. Um, and then, you know, I think a couple other things, what about you, you mentioned trying to use a co-packer to help increase your shelf life and make your packaging better. Um, how is that going to help you, shift from sort of this your current state to to a co-packer yeah so currently i hand seal everything <laughs> and like we talk about labor um the the labeling the stickering um is very time consuming and with a for example a flow wrap um that would uh. make much easier and also going into roll stock it's my product is currently frozen like stored um, meaning the product its shelf life will be increased and even you know we can then do shelf life testing later on to see if the product is actually shelf stable at room temperature great and cool certifications playing a role i guess you know you sure people on there and make it worth it <laughs> yeah 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 no no that that makes a lot of sense and i think um you know one of the other things that i think sometimes people don't always think about but it sounds like you have is, you know, okay, we're shifting from 2000 units a week to let's say 10,000 units a week with the co-packer. Uh, where, where are you going to store all of the, those other like 8,000 donuts that you're not necessarily selling that week? And, you know, what is the cost of, of that storage, especially with frozen, which can be, you know, obviously usually more expensive than just dry. Right. Yeah, so this is where I'm struggling currently <laughs> is logistics. Yeah, yeah. Um, I haven't figured. Like in my mind, I I don't know where to go um, yet. So you know, there's different options, right? There's the co-packer would store it for me for months for X amount, which is fine. It's not too expensive, but you have to think about distribution, right? Adding on, it, I had I I currently self-distribute. So okay, sure. I have to go out, find a distributor who can take it off my hands. Then I have to find maybe a tree ply fulfillment center for e-commerce orders. Mm -hmm. and, you know, that all, all of that is, or LT, like just a tracking company who can even bring me some into my current storage. Like, so I have them on hand at least if something happens or something is urgent or there is an event or yeah, just so many yeah. No, I mean, logistics are a huge, huge part of, um, you know, co-packing, right? Because instead of everything being sort of like in your own space, you you have to make sure, one, like you're managing the co-packer and they're doing everything they're supposed to be doing, but also like depending on where your co-packer is, right? What, and and you're, you're in New York, right? So um, if your co-packer is in New York, 
great. But if they're not in your backyard and they're like upstate or something, right, then you're, 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 you're struggling to make sure all of those, you know, somehow you have to get those either products back to your, to another facility or another like sort of headquarter warehouse near you where you can access them. Right. Or, um, or you have to get your distributor and your fulfillment center also run out of that co-packer or you're shipping, you know, as you said, LTL pallets to uh, a fulfillment center. Right. And then there's, there's that cost, right. Of, you know, how many donuts fit on a pallet, how much does it cost to ship a pallet? Like, adding, adding that cost onto your, your cost of goods sold too, right. So that you're, um, you're taking that into, into consideration as well. Right. Cause it sounds like you're saving money on labor, but then, you know, on the flip side, you know, maybe yeah. you're, you're, you're not losing money, but you're, you're having to deal with additional costs related to, um, you yeah. know, literally like just moving your product around. Right. Yeah. And everything is new to me. Like I haven't been in the industry before at all. So it just came. So it's like learning everything from scratch, basically. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, I'm I'm glad you're part of Retail Ready and have our have our community to to talk to. Um, okay, so let's. So so really for you, it's about this sort of timing, right? Of uh, how do we how do we pick the right time to to move? Now, have you have you found a co-packer that is like one where I guess that could actually make your product and potentially like make it the way you, you want them to, <laughs> right. There's so I, like two, same question, but two different. <laughs> it's actually a funny story because when I first signed on to retail ready is when I listened to those episodes that are available and there was a lot of co-packer talk. So I was like, I want to automate my business as soon as possible. So I went yeah. back within the first six months of my testing and I found co-packers, but everything went well. We did test runs and everything. But then I, I didn't agree with all the, like, you know, whatever was in the agreement and the contract. So mm, it was yeah. um, insurance risk. Um, and I was like, I cannot pull off 50K right now. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Um, and so it was very difficult for me to make that switch at this point. Um, but now being one and a half years in, I think I'm in the position where it's definitely worth it. Yeah. Well, I love, I love that you had, like you started thinking about that from the very beginning and that you knew, okay, you know, my production situation right now is just temporary, but I, I know that I'm going to outgrow it. And, and it sounds like you've, you've gotten to that point, which is awesome that you are, you know, you sort of set that goal of like, Hey, I, I want to be able to, <laughs> to be able to co-pack this. And that's, that's definitely a, a big, a big move. And, uh, it's something to be really, really proud of too, I think. So, uh, so congratulations. And thank you. I'm still, on, hesitant, but I, I, I mean, yeah, <laughs> yeah, but I, I think, you know, that that's good. Like you should always be, I think with any of these decisions, right. That we talk about on, on this series and just in general for food businesses, I feel like it's always really healthy to have this combination of being really excited about something and being really scared at the same time. Um, because it means you're, it means that whatever you're going to take on is like sort of that perfect balance of a, a little bit risky, but not, not too risky. Right. Cause if you're just really excited about it and there's no risk to it at all, then it makes me like wonder whether like you should do it. And if it's just all like, Oh my God, I'm so scared. There's no way this is going to work. Like then it's like, 
you know, but, but it's, it sounds like you've gotten to that point where um, one, it, it just makes sense for a lot of reasons for your business. Um, but as with like any decision that we make, right. And, and especially, you know, you, you're, are you like a solo founder, but you have sort of these other employees that you're working with? Yeah, I'm solo and I have freelancers that help me out. Right. So, I mean, I can, I can totally relate, right. I, you know, we, in all the decisions we make sort of on our own as solo founders, right. There's this like, Oh, am I doing this right? Do I, is, is this the right decision? Like I don't have somebody to like bounce the idea off of to know whether or not, um, you know, this is a good idea or not. Right. And so like every decision is going to be sort of scary like that. Right. Of like, ah, I don't know. Like, is this, is this really the right move? Right. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if you, you feel that way, but <laughs> Oh, I, I, I felt that way. I'm back and forth. I know I need it needed to happen. The question is just like when and how. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so then the the other the other thing um, we'll talk about just money related before we move on to to resources is right with a co-packer too. There's also this um, often you have to pay your co-packer upfront, right? There's usually not terms on co-packing, so you need just need to have that cash available to pay for a larger number of units. And then you're also having to pay for larger amounts of ingredients usually right in advance as well. And making sure that those, um, those arrive on time and, and, and all of that. So how are you feeling with that aspect of it? Um, I, I sort of had a, have a plan already. I did like a, a first, um, like a fur, like, preferred vendor and second preferred vendor so I already listed it out you know amazing is one doesn't supply like what is my backup and maybe there's another backup right so yeah the flow um going great great um fantastic so so you've got that covered um on the money side and then and then it's just you know making sure you have the cash flow to like if you sell 50,000 if you make 50,000 donuts now instead of two or 10, or let's say eight, um, then, you know, you need to be able to sell through those so that uh, you can cover the, the cost of sort of this upfront payment that you have to pay for, for your co-packer and, yeah. I and, think and all of that. I'm okay with the upfront payments. I'm just worried once, you know, because all the stores pay you like 30 days or two. Sure. Months. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So yeah. Covering that two months, basically. Yeah. And and distributors as well, right? You know, and and especially if you don't have a distributor distributor already, right? And you bring one on after this co-packer, uh, you know, the reality is that most distributors are going to give you net ninety for like new vendors, right? For your for your first payment, at least sometimes net sixty, but um, they'll try to get net ninety if they can. And um, so that's that's right. Now you're paying upfront for co-packing you're getting a distributor on board they're not paying you for 90 days and so you're you know so i don't know what's going to happen there but (laughs) we'll see yeah right 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 um so but i but it sounds like you are thinking through all of the right um all of the right questions to, to to ask yourself as it relates to money right i think uh some people just get so excited about hey like i want to move to co-packing and then they assume that it might be similar to just running their own kitchen and and then they run into all of these sort of like financial like roadblocks and then they're sort of stuck because they've either either already left their kitchen and now 
they're in sort of this like no man's land of, <laughs> wait, I have a co-packer, but uh, it's not really working for me uh, financially. And so I now I don't know what to do, <laughs> right? Big commitment, I would say. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a very big commitment for sure. Um, and, and I guess the other thing to think about from a, uh, I guess it's not really from a financial perspective, but, um, you know, is there, is there any reason why you wouldn't switch to, to a co-packer? Um, not <laughs> really. I mean, <laughs> so like, I, I, I guess maybe well received, so I am really not so, um, against it. Um, I rather, I'm rather for it. Um, the question is just like, again, if, and when is the right time? Like, can you pull it off? Can you make those can you sell those 50,000 donuts a month quickly? And yeah. So, so is that, is that the sort of like, so it's, you're doing 2000 a week versus 50,000 per run. Is that the, yes, that's the difference. Um, great. So then uh, I get, I write the question is, yeah. How do you, how do you go out there and, and sell those? And um, so have you, have you thought about what, what that plan, you know, would look like for, I don't know. I mean, I, I just have to start reaching out to chain stores. So that's probably the, the best way to go. <laughs> right, right. So, okay. So then, and and when we think about like, logistics again, you know, one thing that uh, for, for those that haven't been involved in the co-packing game may not be aware of is, you know, co-packers have line time, right? So you, they tell you, hey, like you can be on the line next Friday or you can be on the line three months from now, right? Or whenever it is, right? So you sort of have to plan your your production and uh, obviously and sourcing ingredients and making sure everything arrives on time based on that, you know, when you're going to be run through their production line. Um, with the co-packer that you're currently talking to, um, what's their flexibility in terms of schedule and how far in advance do you need to be thinking about uh, production with them? Well, as of now, I only know that they can be ready within two weeks. <laughs> okay. Okay. I mean, that's, that's pretty, pretty respectable. I mean, pretty like yeah. and manageable, I, I guess. And I, as far as I know, um, they would do it once a month and run all my flavors maybe within one or two weeks. Got it. Okay. Okay. Great. Have, get it done within like the week or 10 days, whatever they need. Sure. And put it on a pallet and it's basically going out, leaving. Yeah. Got it. Got it. Okay, great. Um, so, I mean, it sounds like, again, you're, you're thinking through all the, all the right, all the right questions. Um, so now, now it just comes down to, we, we've also talked about sort of your resources, which are your staff. Um, and in this case, do you have any sort of special equipment or anything else that the co-packer would need to use? Or are you sort of switching your packaging to something that makes more sense for them and their equipment lines? Yeah, so I probably have, like, the goal was to, I found especially a co-packer that is able to handle the flow wrap. Okay. Which is a lot cheaper and looks Great. better overall, you know, on the shelf, like every, like it's more consistent with what everybody else is doing. And uh, yeah, otherwise you have to look for a co-packer if you're looking that they have the equipment that you need. So this 100%. is struggled with at the very first time when I did my co-packer run because everything was manual labor. So yeah. now I actually said, I don't want to do manual labor anymore. <laughs> I 
move to a machine, right? So something yeah. that spits it out into the pan, you put it in the oven and that's it. Perfect. Yeah. And I think that's really important to, to think about both for you that you've, you've already done, but um, for other listeners is that, you know, when you're, when you're considering a co-packer, you want to think about, excuse me, like what machines they already use. Right. And some of them may say, you know, you can only use, you, you've got five different bottles to choose from. Let's say it's a beverage co-packer, like ones that I've used before. Um, so you'd need to like, make sure that whatever bottle you're using is, is one of theirs. Right. Or maybe they only do twist caps or maybe they only do lug nuts or maybe, you know, so really understanding um, sort of what their capabilities are before kind of like jumping right in and remembering that, you know, the easier it is to make your product, right. The, the easier it is to put it together, the, the, the cheaper it's going to be for you, right? If you if you told your co-packer, right, Catherine, that like, hey, I want you to like manually label these with like one sticker here, one sticker here, one sticker here, right? Your cost would go way up, right? Yeah, they would say, no, we're not doing that. <laughs> right, yeah, or, or they would just say no, exactly. And they would say, yeah, you're, you're going to have to find somebody else. So, so sometimes we, we, we have to make those compromises, right? Uh, when we're, when we're shifting from our current production, that's more manual, that maybe has a little more like white glove attention to it. Um, and moving to a co-packer is going to give you benefits in some ways, right? But it's going to, it's going to mean you're going to have to streamline, you know, some of your other packaging and things like that, right? You have to think about commercializing the product. That's basically it. Like, let's say I had a donut, I had a drizzle on it. Now the drizzle will not be there anymore, right? So yeah, yeah. Just be the glaze. That's it. <laughs> sure, sure. Or or you like harvest, you like, I don't know, pick some cherries on like your backyard and made like this really special limited edition, like cherry, <laughs> like, you know, flavoring. And now like, well, how are you going to like commercialize that for, for a co-packer? Maybe, maybe you have to like drop that, drop that flavor. Right. Yes. Um, okay. So, so now it's just, it's just about the timing, right? So how, um, right. You're gonna, we've, we've talked about the math. We've talked about the resources, right. What's, I don't know. What's your, what's your gut feeling about it? Like what I, it sounds like you're excited, but tell me, tell me more. <laughs> I mean, it's a, it's. I'm excited, <laughs> and the other side, uh, on the other side, I'm just trying to figure it out. Um, and like, when is the right time? Is still, I'm not still not sure if it's the right time, to be honest. Um, but if you don't take the jump, you will never know, right? <laughs> sure. And I think you know, there's always a way to take to to take as calculated a jump as you can, right? And it sounds like. You've you've thought through the financial sort of pros and cons of of making the switch. Uh, you've thought about how you're going to handle sort of the resources that you have, um, and and now and now it's really a question of whether or not you can you can handle the demand, right? And and also you know maybe even thinking about like how flexible is this co-packer, right? Like let's say. Um, let's say worst case scenario, right? You switch to this co-packer and they make 50,000 units and you sell 20,000 and mm -hmm. 50,000 go bad, right? 50,000. not go bad. <laughs> What's that? It's frozen. It stays for six months, but great. Okay. But, but let's say, let's say worst case scenario, right? I mean, even if you're making 50,000, right? right? So now you're making 8,000 a month, 
right? So, I mean, the question is, right? Could you could you sell through fifty thousand in I don't know six months, right? And right. So let's say worst case scenario, you sell through fifty thousand in six months instead of one month, right? And, and so you're you're at your sort of current sort of pace, but now your production streamline, you're paying for storage for six months, which you maybe weren't paying for before. And you're paying some additional fees to move your, your product around from co-packer to fulfillment center and, and things like that. Um, but then, then the question is, okay, you go back to your co-packer and you say, Hey, listen, um, we, we can't really run 50,000 units again because, you know, it took us six months to sell through them. How flexible are you if we only make 25,000 units? Mm-hmm. Right. And so like, may, I, I don't know if you've had these conversations with them already, but I feel like these would be good questions to, you know, at least think about like, cause I mean, I, I, I'm not trying to be negative to bring up the worst, worst case scenario, but I always think it's important to think through like how you would handle that. Right. And mm-hmm. if you're able to sort of like confidently, like walk through that worst case scenario and know how you would handle that situation, then I think you're in a really good position to like be able to handle the best case scenario. Right. This is really good advice. I haven't even thought about that. <laughs> <laughs> Um, right. Because co- like that, I think that's one of the scariest things about co-packers, right. Is either sort of this, like, oh, I, like, I don't know if I can sell through all of these units. Like the minimum order is so high. And like, it's, it's the same, the same thing that I would like recommend to early brands at the beginning of, you know, don't, don't overbuy ingredients or packaging at the beginning, just because you want to bring your per unit cost down, right? Like the benefit of the co-packer is, hey, we're going to make 50,000 units. And now our cost is like 10 cents instead of 50 cents that we were making you know, ourselves, right? But um, but it's still 10 cents times 50,000, right? So it's it's a large amount of cash that you have to, you know, outlay for. Um, and if, if that money is, so so then it comes back to, well, if they would produce 25,000 units, would the cost be 25 cents a unit, right? Uh, it might still be the same cash, but now you don't have any waste that's sort of like, um, or, or you know, with every additional unit, there comes like logistical cost of, right, now you have to ship this unit around or store this unit or, you know, so, um, right, so, and, and so when you're starting up, right, don't go buy like, five pallets of boxes for your e-commerce if you don't have any demand for that yet, right? <laughs> Whatever it is, right? So um, so I think that's a good, a good question to kind of go back to the co-packer with if you if you haven't talked about that yet. Um, that's great. Yeah. <laughs> what 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 other like okay, so aside from just like knowing that you're gonna have to sell a lot of units, is there anything else about the process? Uh, it sounds like logistics are, are one thing that's sort of come up, but what else, what else about this shift is, is, I guess, scaring you the most? I mean, something that I thought about, like you just mentioned earlier, is some, like, let's say that their, their timeline is delayed or something, but then I feel like it's always good to have a backup team that you can rely on sure. uh, to make those orders in case, you know, they're delayed or whatever. So you can say, hey, people, let's jump into the kitchen. Let's 
um, prepare and do this order and let's get it out the door. You know, I feel like that's always a good and safe option to have. And so don't fire your entire team from day one. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. And, and two, I think, you know, also to think about too, from a, from a cost perspective, right. Is if you're not firing your team and, you know, you still have to pay for your commercial kitchen and you have a co-packer, right. Are you sort of like, and I'm, I'm not saying you are or you aren't, but like, are you double paying for production by having sort of these like two team, like you've got your own production facility and then you've also got this co-packer and I don't know, I, how can you utilize your commercial kitchen to maybe fulfill orders or? Yeah, I think it's during that first time period, I thought about it and I feel like you have to have both just to get into the rhythm of the co-packer. Mm. Sure. Save on the safe side with orders, with your customers, with your e-commerce, whatever it is. And then once the co-packer has its rhythm and is, you know, everything goes is going smooth, then I would say, okay, maybe you let you you cut time or the commercial kitchen or whatever it is. Sure, sure. Right. But I think you're I mean, and it sounds like just across the board, you've always thought about like a backup every, you know, at every decision along the way, right? You've got your backup ingredient supplier, you've got um now, I don't know if you have a backup co-packer, but, you know, it's not it's not a bad thing to to have either at some point, right? To know, like, hey, if they shut down or if they go out of business or if they, like, all of a sudden, like, bring on this, like, Dunkin' Donuts comes to them and says, like, hey, we want to make your donuts. And now all of a sudden, like, Dunkin' Donuts has all the leverage and you don't have any, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. you know, say in terms of when you get to make your product, right? Like. Um, and I'm not saying like you have to think about all of this right now, but it sounds like you're generally like very proactive about how you're thinking about your your growth. And so, you know, when we think about sort of this reflection, um, one of the questions I like to ask is like, does this align with sort of your personal and your business goals? And it sounds like you knew right from the beginning that this is like the direction that you wanted to go. Mm-hmm. Yes, especially because I'm solo. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Great. And, and, and yeah, and I mean, it's true, like, you know, spending all of your time in the production kitchen is, uh, it's both like draining, right? It's, it's, it's a lot. Uh, (laughs) it's exhausting coming home, right. From, from the kitchen day, um, you know, more, more than it is from, from an office day sometimes, right. Uh, or more times than not. And so, you know, I, I think there's a lot of good reasons that this, um, you know, is, is, could, could be a good, thing for you guys so yeah i'm i'm thinking positive about this <laughs> um, go well um maybe i'll take you up on that advice you just gave me with reducing it at some point if it's necessary but obviously i think it's also important to find a co-packer that is excited about your product and that wants to help you grow yeah and i, I mean i think at the end of the day right like the other thing to remember with co-packers is you, you really want to make sure that you are, that you remember that they're running a business as well. Right. And that they are not just a vendor, um, but, you know, now an extension of your team. Right. I mean, can you imagine if they said, Hey, sorry, Catherine, like we're not making your product anymore. You're, you'd be like, you'd still have your, your staff in your kitchen, but like, that's a pretty big, like loss to, to the business. Um, and so I think it's, it's really important to remember that you should treat your co-packers the same way you should treat your, your employees. Right. Yeah. Um, 
And, and that means like over communicating, it means setting the right expectations. Right. And, and it also means, you know, trying to understand what their, what their capabilities are, what they're not willing to do and, Mm -hmm. and make sure that you're on board with that, you know, at, at the beginning. Yes, definitely. For sure. (laughs) Um, Okay. So let's wrap things up here. I want, I want to know what your, what your next steps are for either deciding that, like, I I guess it's not, it's not a yes or no. Right. But you know, what if, is it, is it a timeline? Do we, do we say, okay, six months, six months from now, we're going to do this or three months from now, we're going to do this. What's going to, what's going to help you put like a line in the sand to say now's, now's the, now's the time. (laughs) Uh, For me, it's just time-wise. I I always, for me, I know it's the time to do it, Um, especially because the Q4 is just around the corner (laughs) and I know my storage will order triple the amount. (laughs) Okay. That's good to know. Yep. And uh, yeah, I think it's going to take a lot of um, pressure off me personal um, in regards to heavy lifting and, production days, like you said. Um, yeah, it's for me, it's a matter of time. Figuring out the logistics is the next step. Okay. Um, and then I would say strategy in regards to sales. <laughs> like, who do you approach? What can you What can you do with 50? How fast can you sell it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, great. And so you've got, you've got this, you've got the storage, you've got the staff. Um, yeah, thinking through the logistics for sure. Um, great. I well, I hope I hope you keep us posted on how things go with with the co-packer, how things go with the timeline, and I am excited for you to to grow your business. I also think it's like it's great that you were able to recognize too that Q four is going to be a much busier time of year for you, and that that is automatically right more more demand that um, that you want to be you want to be ready for. And, and so, you know, the other thing I might encourage you to do is, you know, as, as you know, right, these building these retail uh, relationships and uh, relationships with co-packers, with retailers, with even your, you know, consumers online, right? It takes time, right? And so, you know, we, we I think as you think about the sales strategy, um, I, I would just sort of think about, okay, if I start contacting them now, mm-hmm. when am I going to get, like, when am I going to actually like realistically get in the door? Right. And, and think about sort of that, that timeline, right. Because at the end of the day, I don't know, realistically, if you contact a distributor today that is already willing to bring you in because you've got, you know, 30 to 40 stores that already pull from that distributor, it might still take them 60 days to even just like, pull the follow the paperwork together and agree on, you know, all the, the pricing and all of that and get you set up in the system. And right. And so that's going to take some time. And then it's going to take another, you know, 30 to 60 days to get your product out to those retailers and get trained, the staff trained and, and all of that. So, um, you know, the, these things do, do take, do take time. So when we think about sort of that calculated decision, right. you Ideally, and you've got a frozen product that lasts for six months, which is which is great. It gives you a little more flexibility, um, but also distributors are going to want to um, they're going to want as fresh a product as possible too, right? So, um, 
so that's something to consider, right? You don't want to make all this product and all of a sudden, six months later, your, your distributor is like ready to bring you on and you've got to make another like batch just for them, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. So let's, um, Catherine, can you tell everybody where they can find you and go try your amazing donuts? Yeah, so we are on Instagram. It's planetbake.us. Um, and we are online on our e-commerce side, which is um, planet-bake.com. Awesome. Catherine, thank you so much for joining me. Everybody, thank you for tuning into this episode with Catherine from Planet Bake. Uh, this is the type of one-on-one coaching that I do exclusively for retail-ready students day in and day out. And so I want to know what you guys thought about this episode. I want to know if co-packing is a topic that you have been struggling with and how this might have helped you think about this uh, decision uh, differently. Uh, I will see you guys in the Food Business Facebook group for continued conversation, and I will be back in your ears next month. Thank you again, Catherine, and we'll see you in a month. Thank you. Bye. Instead of having a sponsor for today's episode, I want to give you a freebie, my retail roadmap. This roadmap is essential for anyone launching or growing a packaged food product, as it clearly outlines the difference between creating a product line that flies off the retail shelf versus one that just sits there. Find my free retail roadmap linked in today's show notes. You are going to love it. Thanks for listening to Food Biz Whiz. If you're enjoying this podcast and the tools it gives you for growing your packaged product business, please subscribe so you never miss an episode. From one small business owner to another, I am deeply grateful for your support of this podcast, and I appreciate it when you share it with your fellow food founders, share it on social media, or leave me a review on your listening platform. Ready for more? Find out how we can work together at foodbizwiz.com. I'll see you right back here next week.